and welcome to our very first episode. <laughs> welcome! This is, is Closing, Closing in. in. Closing In is our true crime podcast that delves into the captivating stories of how horrible killers have been brought to justice. Each episode, you'll join us as we explore the meticulous investigations, critical mistakes, and compelling evidence that ultimately led to the arrest of our killers. Just a quick little introduction. I'm Gracie, and I'm joined by my fellow true crime enthusiast, Miss Kelsey. We just want to welcome all of our true crime junkies. Um, I think I can speak for all of us when I say we just really want to get into today's story. Kelsey has actually texted me a couple times today being like, oh my goodness, we need to meet and record right now because I want to tell you. So I'm ready for this one, Kelsey. The floor is yours. Thank you, Gracie. Let's just quickly go through the sources for this episode. This is a story about the Long Island serial killer, also known as the Gilgo Beach Murders. There are numerous films, television programs, podcasts, other media that have covered this case. If you're interested in more details, please go watch them. There's a 48-hour segment. There's a 60-minute Australia segment. There's the Long Island Serial Killer, A Mother's Hunt for Justice Lifetime television film. There's an unraveled podcast about it as well that was a seven-part series. There's also lots of information on the Gilgo News website, CNN, the New York Times, Uncovered, a lot of websites. I've actually never heard of this case. Like, the name sounds familiar. Okay. And maybe I'll know once you start getting into the details, but... Do you know what state it's in? Long Island, New York. (laughs) Good, good job, good job. Okay, so I'm going to take you back to before you were born. Okay. Because this case starts in 1996. Okay. I thought we were going way back. No, just okay. a little bit. <laughs> just wanted to call you out for being young. It's before I was born, too. So this story, as the facts have come out and as we know it, actually started on April 20th, 1996, when the first known victim, who was nicknamed Fire Island Jane Doe, or Jane Doe Number 7, when her partial remains were found on Fire Island. It was discovered in a plastic bag where there were two female legs. Oof. In 1997, on June 28th, Peaches, or Jane Doe number 3's, partial remains were found at Hempstead Lake State Park. A dismembered torso of an unidentified African-American woman was found in a green plastic container dumped next to a road. Both arms, head, and legs below the knee were severed and were not found at the scene. The victim had a tattoo of a heart-shaped peach with a bite out of it on her left breast, which is why she was later given the name Peaches. Police estimate she had died less than three days before being discovered. Then we jump to three years later in 2000, in the spring and summer, where Valerie Mack, another victim, was last seen by her family members. Later that year, on November 19th, some of her remains were found in Manorville. Three years after that, in July, Jessica Taylor was last seen. On July 26th, Jessica Taylor's partial remains are also found in Manorville. In 2007, on July 9th, Maureen Brainard Barnes was last seen. Later that July in 2007, a friend of Maureen, Sarah Carnes, received a phone call from a man claiming that he had just seen her and that she was actually alive and staying at a whorehouse in Queens. In 2009, on July 10th, Another woman by the name of Melissa Bartholomew was last seen. Bartholomew was 24 years old of Erie County, New York, and she went missing on July 12, 2009. She had been living in the Bronx in New York and working as an escort to, through Craigslist. On the night she went missing, she told a friend she was meeting with a client, deposited 900 in her bank account, 
and attempted to call an old boyfriend, but she didn't get through. A few days later, after not hearing from her, her mother filed a missing persons report. The police, obviously, she's an escort. Yeah, it's only been a day. Really it's not really a missing person. Okay. Not really important case. But a few weeks later, passed by, and they were getting pressured from social media, from other police officers, so they opened an investigation. Beginning... Into just this girl. Just they this girl. They haven't started linking anything yet. No. Okay. Beginning one week later and lasting for five weeks, her teenage sister Amanda received a series of vulgar mocking and insulting calls from a man who may have been the killer using Melissa's phone. And the caller would ask Amanda if she was a whore just like her sister. So this guy kills them and then starts calling their friends and family. Yeah, and uses that person's phone. What a sicko. Mm -hmm. In 2010, a woman by the name of Shanann Maria Gilbert went missing. It was not determined if this case is linked to the serial killer. Okay. They haven't found a link and police actually say that it's not specifically okay. linked. However, this case leads us to more bodies. Okay. And this case is still unsolved. Correct. Okay. So Shanann Maria Gilbert was a 24 year old, also an escort, who may have been a victim of the Long Island serial killer, still unconfirmed. She left for a client's residence in Oak Beach after midnight on May 1st, 2010 at 4.51 in the morning. 911 dispatchers then received a panicked phone call from Gilbert, who can be heard saying that there was someone after her and that they were trying to kill her. She was last seen a short time later banging on the front door of a nearby Oak Beach residence and screaming for help before running off into the night. After 19 months of searching, police found Gilbert's remain in the marsh half a mile from where she was last seen. In May of 2012, the Suffolk County medical examiners ruled that Gilbert accidentally drowned after entering the marsh. They believe that she was in a drug-induced panic and have concluded that hers was death by misadventure or inconclusive. Yeah, right. So they don't really believe that she was murdered. I don't believe that she wasn't murdered. Her family is the same. They believe that she was murdered. And on November 15th, 2012, they actually filed a lawsuit. Her mother filed a lawsuit, Mary Gilbert, against the Suffolk County Police Department in the hopes of getting more answers about what happened to their daughter the night she went missing. This is actually very interesting, Kelsey, that you bring up lawsuits in the case of a murder because you might be familiar with the death of Matthew Levison. His family was in the same situation where they were wanting more answers and they actually opened up a lawsuit to find out where his body was buried. And they ended up giving immunity to the suspect to go on stand and say where he had buried the body and they ended up finding it through this lawsuit. So sometimes lawsuits in criminal trials can be helpful if you don't have enough evidence to actually go to court. Interesting. Due to the controversy about Gilbert's death and about the fact that everybody thought it was part of that serial killer and the police was saying, no, it's an accident. Due to the controversy surrounding Gilbert's death, in September 2014, famed forensic pathologist by the name of Dr. Michael Baden agreed to conduct an independent autopsy of Gilbert's remains. Upon examination of Gilbert's remains, Baden found damage to her hyoid bone. Do you know where the hyoid bone is? I was just about to ask, where is the hyoid bone? Please tell me. It's in your neck, which suggests that strangulation may have occurred. Oh. Baden also noted that her body was found face up in the water, which is not very common if you've drowned. Exactly. 
see, you're already getting suspicious. Despite this, her death on record is still officially listed by police as an accident. And another tidbit about that family. On July 23rd, 2016, so just a few years ago, Marie Gilbert, her mom, was murdered in her home in Ellenville. This has nothing to do with the serial killer. This is completely but separate. is the person... She's the mom of this lady. But is the person who killed her caught, or is, do they not know? Because I feel like Later that, that guy... day... Oh, no. Her younger daughter, Sarah Elizabeth Gilbert, was arrested and charged with the stabbing death of her mother. What the hell? That poor family. Yeah. So they went through all of that. The one good thing to come out of that is how persistent her mom was with finding her daughter's body. And because of that, they actually ended up finding what they call the Gilgo Four. Okay. And this was four bodies that were discovered accidentally during the search for Shanann. Oh, okay. These remains were scattered across a quarter-mile stretch of marshy grasslands near a parkway. This is when police immediately began thinking that it was indeed a serial killer. So this is actually very common in crime. Like, when they're searching for a body of one victim, they find tons of other bodies that they never would have otherwise mm -hmm. found. Which is, like, I feel like a good omen mm -hmm. from the person that passed. So just before they did these searches, these searches were done in December of that year. In June was when one of the victims was last seen, Megan Waterman, on June 6th. And on September 2nd, Amberlyn Costello was last seen. Okay. On December 11th, they found Melissa Bartholomew's remains. As I previously mentioned her, this was the lady whose sister was getting phone calls. Okay. And these phone calls became increasingly disturbing and eventually culminated in the caller telling Amanda that her sister was dead and that he was going to watch her rot. <gasps> Police traced some of the calls to Madison Square Garden, Midtown Manhattan, and Massapequa, but were unable to determine who was making them as these are all areas that have a lot yeah. of high traffic and pedestrians. Say, especially in New York, like, mm -hmm. good luck. Bartholomew's mother noted that there were a lot of calls to Manorville from her daughter's phone around the time of her disappearance. She was meeting up with a client, okay. so it's possible that that's the connection, that oh. she was calling him. And it, everything about the victims, they all are very similar in size. So Bartholomew was 4 foot 10, and she was 95 pounds. Two days later, they found three more bodies. So those of Megan Waterman, Amber Lynn Costello, and Maureen Brainard Burns. Megan Waterman was 22 of South Portland, Maine. She went missing on June 6th after placing advertisements on Craigslist as an escort. Okay. So also an escort. The previous day, she told her 20-year-old boyfriend that she was going out and would call him later. At the time of her disappearance, she was staying at a motel in Hope Page, New York. Not sure if I'm saying these right. Don't come for me. <laughs> this is 15 miles northeast of Gilgo Beach. Her body was discovered in December 2010. Waterman was a mother of one and had become a victim of sex trafficking. Waterman was five foot five, short as well. She had been strangled and there was evidence found with her. There was hair in the burlap sack where her remains were. I always feel like whenever there's like a serial killer who's like plaguing a town, imagine you fit the description of yeah. all the victims, like the panic or like if there's like a sketch and it kind of looks like you because yeah. like they can yeah. only be so different next victim was amber lynn costello she was 27 years old of west babylon new york a small town 10 miles north of gilgo beach also a sex worker she was also a drug user heroin 
She went missing on September 2nd, 2010. That night, she reportedly went to meet a stranger who had called her several times and offered her 1500 for her services. When she disappeared, her family believed that she was in a residential drug rehabilitation center, and so that's why she wasn't responding immediately. Okay, so she didn't get reported missing, like, right away. She was not reported right away. Okay. Because of that reason. Okay. Costello was 4 foot 11, short, and weighed approximately 100 pounds. She had also been strangled. The third victim found that same day, Maureen Bernard Barnes of Norwich, Connecticut, was 25 when she disappeared. She was last seen on July 9th, 2007, saying that she planned to spend the day in New York City. She was never seen again. She was a mother of two, also worked as an escort through Craigslist. She was doing it to pay off her mortgage. She had actually stepped away from the industry for about seven months, but returned in order to pay her bills after she had just received an eviction notice. Her body was found December 2010. And shortly after her disappearance, a friend of hers, Sarah Carnes, I'd mentioned her previously, received a phone call from a man on an unfamiliar number. The man claimed that he had just seen Maureen and that she was alive and staying at the whorehouse in Queens, like I mentioned earlier. He refused to identify himself and could not tell Carnes the location of the house. He told Carnes he would call back and give her the address, but never called again. So why does he do this? Just for like some weird... Like, it's almost like he's, like, bragging. He just needs to brag to someone about it. Yeah, because he's not getting caught. That's crazy. And by now, it's been, like, over ten years, potentially, since he's been murdering people. At the time of her disappearance, she was working at a Super 8 motel in Manhattan. On the night of July 9th, 2007, she called a friend in Connecticut and told her that she was planning on meeting a client outside of the motel. She was also very petite, 4 foot 11, and 105 pounds. She had also been strangled. Do we know at this time in the story, have the police started like making announcements to the public about this guy? Or is this still like they haven't even kind of linked it all together? When they found all four bodies, they were like, there's a serial killer. Okay. So at that point they knew. Before that, they didn't know they were. Crazy. They were linked or they didn't know anything. They just had found some Jane Doe's. Okay. On March 29th, 2011, Jessica Taylor's further partial remains were found. At Gilgo. She was 20 years old, living in Manhattan, when she went missing on July 21st, 2003. On July 26, 2003, her naked and dismembered torso, missing its head and hands, was discovered 45 miles east of Gilgo Beach in Manorville. Yeah. Sound familiar? These remains were identified by DNA analysis later that year. Taylor's torso was found atop a pile of scrap wood at the end of a paved access road off Halsey Manor Road, just north of where it crosses the Long Island Expressway. Plastic sheeting was found underneath the torso, and a tattoo on her body had been mutilated with a sharp instrument to prevent from identifying her. Further remains are found on March 29, 2011, which matched Taylor including a skull, a pair of hands, and a forearm. She had worked in Washington, D.C. and Manhattan as a sex worker as well. Taylor was last seen working around the Port Authority bus terminal in Manhattan between July 18th and 22nd, 2003. And this guy is just out there. Mm Mm-hmm. So scary. Living his life. On April 4th, 2011, remains were found a Valerie Mack baby doe and an Asian male. Valerie Mack also known as Melissa Taylor, also known as Manorville Jane Doe, or Jane Doe Number 6, was 24 years old and was living in Philadelphia, working as an escort, went missing in 2000. 
Like many of the victims, she's small, she's 5 feet, and weighed about 100 pounds. Max Partial's remains were discovered in Manorville in 2000, and her torso was found wrapped in garbage bags and dumped in the woods near the intersection of Halsey Manor Road and Mill Road, adjacent to a set of power lines and a nearby power line access road. A head, right foot, and her hands were found in 2011. It was at first determined to have belonged to an unidentified victim, dubbed Jane Doe Number 6. It was later determined that they belonged to the same woman whose torso had been found in 2000. Her right foot had been cut off right above the ankle, possibly to conceal an identifying mark or tattoo. On May 28, 2020, police announced that the remains had been identified as Valerie Mack. So just a few years ago, they discovered her identity. Who had last been seen by family members in the spring or summer of 2000 in the area of Port Republic, New Jersey. I really hope that this guy's caught. The dismembered remains of Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor were both disposed of in a similar manner and in the same part of Manorville, suggesting a link. Okay, and so it begins. Next was Baby Doe. A third set of remains, the skeleton of a female toddler between 16 and 24 months of age, was found on April 4, 2011, about 250 feet away from the partial remains of Valerie Mack. Don't tell me it was her daughter. The body was wrapped in a blanket and showed no visible signs of trauma. DNA tests determined that the child's mother was Jane Doe number 3, whose body was found 10 miles east near Jones Beach State Park. The toddler was reported to be African-American and was wearing gold earrings and a gold necklace. It wasn't uh, Valerie Mack's daughter. It was someone else. It was somebody else's. Mm-hmm. The next body is that that is just known as Asian male. The body of a young Asian male who had died from blood force trauma was discovered on April 4th as well at Gilgo Beach. The victim was found, however, wearing women's clothing and may have possibly been a transgender woman. The victim was between 17 and 23 years of age. Five foot six, missing four teeth. The victim had been dead between five and ten years. In September 2011, police released a male composite sketch of the victim. They still don't know who it is. No. That's so sad. On April 11th, 2011, the victim known as Peaches or Jane Doe number three had more partial remains found. Okay. They discovered dismembered skeletal human remains inside a plastic bag near Jones Beach State Park. The victim was dubbed Jane Doe number three. But DNA analysis later positively indicated that the remains belonged to a woman whose torso had been found in Hempstead Lake State Park 14 years later. It was known as Peaches because her tattoo was yeah. on her breast. So, at this point, do they know, like, is there a murder weapon they're looking for? Like, is this guy walking around with a sword? The only causes of death that have been determined were strangulations. And these, because their bodies are in parts, yeah. it's hard to figure out what the cause of death was. So some of these Ugh. don't even have one listed. That's so sad. In December 2016, Peaches and Jane Doe number 3 were positively identified as being the same person. DNA analysis also identified Peaches as the mother of Baby Doe. She was found wearing gold jewelry similar to that of her daughter. On April 11, 2011, Fire Island Jane Doe, or Jane Doe number 7's, further partial remains were found at Tobey Beach. A human skull and several teeth were recovered. These remains were linked through DNA testing to a set of severed legs found in a garbage bag on Fire Island 15 years earlier. This was the first case I had mentioned at the beginning. Where there were two legs found in a bag. Now they found only a skull and teeth. So there's still a lot of 
parts missing of her, unfortunately. So this spans, as of right now, like at least 15 years, Mm -hmm. and this guy hasn't been caught yet. And usually, like, if they kill, they eventually go on, like, a killing rampage. Or they start getting, like, sloppy or something. Yeah. But 15 years, that's, like, a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's just, like, part of the body. It's, like, it's not like there was one whole person and then another. It's the same person. In June 2011, Suffolk County Police announced a $25,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in the Long Island murders. They had no information. They had no leads. Like, they needed info. In December of 2011, Shannon Gilbert's remains were finally found in a marsh at Oak Beach. This is the lady that led to more discoveries of bodies, mm-hmm. but that they didn't believe that she was linked to the murders. Police have said the death of Gilbert, a woman whose disappearance triggered the search during which the first set of bodies was found, is not related to the Long Island serial killer case. I still don't believe that. Me neither. Gilbert's now-deceased mother, Marie, however, strongly advocated for the theory that Gilbert had been murdered by a serial killer. In 2015, December 10th, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Tim Seamy announced that the FBI had officially joined the investigation. The announcement came one day after former police chief James Burke was indicted for civil rights violations and conspiracy. (gasps) Oh, no. So someone that worked for the police department was hindering this case. The plot thickens. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Burke, who resigned from the department in October 2015, was reported to have blocked FBI involvement in the Gilgo Beach cases for years. The FBI had previously assisted in the search for victims, but had never officially been a part of the investigation. Don't tell me it's him. <laughs> in November 2016, Burke was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison for assault and conspiracy. Period. Woo! In January 2020, on January 16th, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Geraldine Hart released images of a belt found at the crime scene with the letters HM or WH, depending on the orientation of the belt, embossed in black leather. The belt had been found during the initial investigation near Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach. Police believe that the belt was handled by the perpetrator and that it had not belonged to any of the victims. The police revealed few details about the belt's evidentiary value and would not comment on exactly where it had been found. It was also announced that new scientific evidence was being used in the investigation and that they had launched gilgonews.com, a website enabling the department to share news and receive tips regarding investigation. So they have a belt. Yes. They have initials. Mm -hmm. And they have victims. Mm -hmm. But they don't have any idea who the guy is. No leads. They had, like, a few suspects, but nothing to, like, convince a court or anything like that. Okay. In 2022, so just last year. Oh, my goodness. There was a review of evidence conducted under a newly formed task force, which included the Suffolk County Police Department, the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, the New York State Police, and the FBI. In March 2022, investigators found that a Chevrolet Avalanche, the same kind of truck a witness believed to have seen driven by Costello's killer, was registered to a man by the name of Hooerman H. at the time of the murders. H, like on the belt. M. H.M. Hooerman. Oh my god. It's crazy how just that one little piece of information, like if they would have looked at it when it first happened, mm-hmm. where they would have gone. Yep. Evidence revealed the killer had used burner phones to contact victims, along with the actual victims' phones as well. Investigators found calls to the victims originated from locations connected to Hooerman. 
Investigators said they narrowed cell tower records from thousands of possible individuals down to hundreds and then to a handful of people. They focused on residents who matched a physical description provided by a witness who had seen the killer. Task force members also learned Hooerman lived close to one Long Island cell site and worked near New York City cell sites where other calls originated from. A series of taunting calls in which a male caller admitted killing and sexually assaulting Bartholomew were made from her phone to her family members from the vicinity of Hooerman's Midtown Manhattan office during the summer of 2009. Oh, my goodness. Herman also used burner phones to contact sex workers or massage parlors, and he created false names for an email account used to search for sex workers, sadistic, torture-related pornography, and child pornography. Oof. So, this is a good time to mention this. There's this theory where if someone is evil in one aspect of their life, they're evil always in evil in Correct. all, if not most, so checks out oh my god what a psycho and he mm-hmm. was probably so happy that he was getting away with it yeah and he really thought making a fake email was yeah. just gonna Especially allow him like... to do anything the fbi wouldn't find out come on another fictitious email account was used to send selfies to solicit and arrange for sexual activity another was used to search for podcasts and documentaries about the investigation, as well as images depicting the murdered victims and members of their immediate family. So he's been following the case and looking up what the family members look like. What is because he likes a certain type to so if, see if they could be potential. If victims. one sibling is five foot and so pounds and a sex worker, maybe the sister is too. That's what, what he was up to. Between March 2022 and June of that same year, Hooerman used the same account to conduct more than 200 searches about serial killers and articles about the task force investigating the Gilgo Beach killing. He's probably in Reddit groups about it, too. Probably. He probably has his own page. In January 2023. Stop it. This year, there was a crucial break in the case. I need to know where this guy fucked up. What is his Do you eat your pizza crust? I do, and I often eat my friend's pizza crust. So am I just hearing that I am, like, a great person to have around? You would have allowed him to not get caught if you (gasps) ate his pizza crust. Hewerman left leftover pizza crust that he discarded in the trash outside his Manhattan office. And the police had been tailing him, waiting for Investigators took this took a swab from it, and they were able to match it to a male hair that was found in one of the bags where the victim's bodies were found. Oh my god. The damn pizza crust. The pizza crust. So I don't eat my pizza crust. So if Luckily someone swabs it... me, so I will eat your pizza crust. Do you remember? I've also not done crimes. Okay, this is So true. that helps me not get caught for anything. <laughs> Um, on top of that, there was hair from a woman as well found on some of the bodies that wasn't part of the victim's hair. It's believed to actually be from his wife. She's... Not because she was involved, okay, but because it might have been on him and it transferred to the victim. Okay. And the wife had been with him this whole time. The whole still time. Still married. Yep. There's no way that she did not know. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's like, have you watched Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Do you think his dad knew all along that he was doing that? 
No, because I don't think his dad was very attentive to him. I think that deep down... Because he killed someone in their family home. I know. And he had no idea. But I think that, like, they know, but their brain... They don't want to believe it. Yeah, just yeah. doesn't let... Like, it's almost like a trauma response, and they just, like, no, my kid could never do this. Yeah, of course not. So, I wonder... Okay, so the hairs that they had matched... They were found in 2010 and had degraded. DNA testing at the time yielded no result, but recent mitochondrial DNA testing is what allowed investigators to make the connection. So the reason his wife is not involved, they believe, is because his wife and children were always out of state. Um, he had and children. Yeah, so his wife and kids were out of state at the time that they were believed to have been killed, which is why they think that. So... His okay. kids went out of town with his wife, and he went to this place, called over escorts, okay, and murdered them. Okay. So he was charged with three counts of first-degree murder for the killings of Melissa Bartholomew in 2009 and Megan Waterman and Amber Costello the following year. Damn. He was arrested last Friday. This is Editor Gracie from the future. Just want to make a small correction. He was actually arrested on the Thursday, not the Friday. So cue me being shocked that he was arrested only last Thursday. Stop it right now. <laughs> Which is why this podcast is so relevant because information is still coming out about the whole thing. They've um, raided some other properties that he owns some storage containers that he owns. They found a bunch of guns all over his property. Even though no victim has had a cause of death of gunshot wound, he owns a whole bunch. And there was actually an article that I read where I believe there was like an interior designer coming to his home or maybe an inspector of some kind, and he would refuse to let them go in the basement. He would oh, say, no. I have too many guns there, blah, 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 and apparently he has a secret room there. Allegedly. Allegedly, because that I'm was like a go magazine down a Reddit source. Rabbit hole tonight, Kelsey. <laughs> I think a fun thing that we can do, Kels, is start a little segment where at the end of the episode, we look up what the murderer looks like and make fun of him together. So, oh, good idea. Let me look him up. Are you ready? Oh my god, no. <laughs> What's okay? Based on everything that you've heard, okay. What do you anticipate him to look like? He, I'm, I'm picturing like older man, but still with the Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. Even though I know this is like recent, so maybe I'm like completely off. But I feel like if I walked by him on the street, I would know he's a murderer. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, he looks like. <laughs> Someone's tax accountant. Literally. Yeah. He doesn't really look like a serial killer. He doesn't. No. He doesn't give that vibe. No, he gives, like, I own a home in the suburbs with my children. And a white picket fence. Literally. And maybe I watch child pornography here and there. Definitely. Like, he's, like, no, buddies no. with the priest and, yeah, like, doing yeah. some weird... He could have been a priest. He could have. Okay, I suggest everybody go look up this man. Okay. Oh my god, last Friday. Mm -hmm. Because of the damn pizza crust. Yep. So he still is saying that he's not the killer. And on Friday, he was ordered held without bail after pleading not guilty during a first court appearance. So the fucker's pleading not guilty. Oh my after god. After all of that. That is such a timely story to pick for our first episode, Kelsey. 
I wanted something that was very recent, and this is very, very recent. And it's a serial killer that it's, I find, like, it's not published enough. Like, I had to go looking. Like, yeah. I didn't just come across this guy. So, as of right now, then, this is all alleged. Mm-hmm. He is innocent until proven guilty. Sure. But why would his hair be in that a bag? crazy. With the body parts. Mm-hmm. He's only being charged with three of the murders when there's been like seven or eight that they that the police have like linked to being part of the same killer. Okay. So they just don't have evidence to link him to the other ones kind of thing. And this has been like you said earlier in your case sources, like shows and podcasts mm-hmm. about this. So this is like an old mm-hmm. cold case mm-hmm. that's just been solved. Mm-hmm. We hope. Yeah, and there's, like, there's one podcast that was, like, a seven-series podcast, and that one, like, made the story become, like, really big. Wow. So, if we could take one thing from today... Eat your pizza crust. Eat your pizza crust, or get yourself a friend who likes pizza crust. Or... Or just maybe don't kill people. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Just skip that part. (laughs) We want to also offer our sincerest condolences to all the families of the victims that have been named in this podcast... We don't condone this kind of violence, obviously. Well, on that note, that was our first episode. I'm going to say this, and it's going to be annoying, but please, please, if you can, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating and a review, as it's really going to help us out. Okay, folks, I guess we'll see you next time. Stay tuned for next episode's True Crime Secrets and help us unravel the mysteries behind our next gripping case. You can also follow us on Instagram at closinginpod. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye!